A thick cloud called a piper cub's tail, the match struck blue. We got my mother's father. slipped on his wooden fish head. The mouth worked and snapped all the bees back to the bungalow. I cried like a buyer, Veterans Day Poppy. It don't get me high. Hello, and welcome to Track by Track Presents Trout Mask Replica. My name is Joel Bacher, guest hosting for Darren Husted. As we went track by track through Captain Beefheart and his Magic Band's 1969 opus, Trout Mask Replica. Uh, this is the epilogue episode. Uh, I don't have a guest. I'm not discussing a track off the album. We're all done. I just wanted to record a short episode, kind of reflecting on this experience and uh, the process of making this podcast, and just a little bit about the album. I will admit, I've kind of been putting this off, um, mostly because I don't really want this project to be totally done. I've enjoyed doing it too much. Uh, so recording this epilogue is is putting the final, the end, on it, um, which is satisfying and sad in, in, in equal measure for me. Uh, so first of all, um, I, I really want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to anyone who has uh, been listening. I want to say thank you to uh, Darren Husted for being the person who set up this podcast in the first place, who has who gave me the opportunity to host, to do this album, to take on this kind of quixotic project, and for the immense amount of labor that he uh, put into producing and editing uh, each episode of this show. Uh, all of the, the music clips uh, were edited in by him. Uh, all of the uh, episodes were, all of my hemming and hawing was cut down into something that makes me sound significantly more professional than I actually am. So thank you to Darren for that. Um, thanks to all of the people who are guests on this show. I have gotten to talk to so many uh, thoughtful and fascinating people doing this project uh, who I never would have gotten to meet otherwise. Um, I'm so grateful to all of you for taking the time to participate and to, to share your impressions and thoughts and, and feelings on this uh, remarkable piece of work. Uh, as we were chatting uh, after we recorded the our, our episode together, Ben Waters said to me, there's no such thing as a half-hearted Beefheart fan. Uh, and I think this project has proven that, at least it's proven it to me. Uh, everyone I've gotten to talk to on this show um, loves this music, has been, uh, has had their lives deeply affected by this music, and has a perspective on it that is uniquely their own that is is utterly idiosyncratic to them. There are as many versions of Trout Mask Replica as there are people who have ever listened to it. You, you put some of yourself into this record when you listen to it. And everyone I've talked to has, has been so kind and generous to, to share what that experience is, is, is like for them. And I've made some new friends doing this. I've gotten to talk to some people who are heroes of mine doing this. If one uh, wants to consider podcasting to be podcasting about an existing record to be in any way a creative endeavor, which is possibly me being a little grandiose, but uh, if I'm choosing to call this a creative endeavor, it's certainly the most proud I am of any creative endeavors that I've undertaken. 
So there's a bit in Mark Maron's special Thinky Pain uh, where he talks about Captain Beefheart. He goes off on this, to me, very unexpected and, and I thought very funny uh, riff uh, where he says, I've got to understand Beefheart. Captain Beefheart has been hanging over me like this weird, cryptic, he kind of trails off there and he says, I will never be smart enough or large enough of mind to assess and understand Captain Beefheart. And uh, initially, I was just delighted that he was bringing Beefheart up at all. And the bit goes on on from there. And it, for anyone listening to this who hasn't checked out Mark Maron's specials, they're, they're definitely worth your time. Uh, but what I particularly liked about it um, is that he uses the word understand. Uh, he doesn't say, uh, I've got to figure out how to appreciate Beefheart or I've, or I've got to love Beefheart. He says, I've got to understand Beefheart. And that's something that uh, a lot of people, myself included, come to this record with its reputation as being this kind of daunting beast. Uh, we, we come to it, some of the love comes from what, the, that we have for it comes for what is inscrutable about it. And when I started this project, I hadn't really thought much beyond I'd really like to talk about this record with people, and it seems like there would be a lot enough here to sustain an extended podcast. I I didn't have anything uh, so lofty in mind as as wanting to understand Beefheart because I don't think I don't think it, it's the a, a work like this. It's not that it can't be understood, but again, there there's as many different versions of this album as there are people who've listened to it and people are come to it with their own sets of interpretations and, and ideas. And for, for each, each of us who hears it, it's a unique creature. And I think that that's part of one of what, and for that, that's true probably of any great work of art that everyone comes to it, uh, experiencing it in a unique way. Um, but one of the things that makes this such a, a unique beast in popular music is that it does seem like it holds mysteries that that draw people that draw people in that draw people to it one one common trait i've had in all of the guests on the show and for myself is this element of fascination uh, the music doesn't it, it does entertain especially once you've gotten used to what it is, um, if one can ever truly be said to get used to that. When, once you've gotten, once the initial shock has worn off, I guess I should say. Um, but it it doesn't so much entertain you as it captivates you. And you feel like you have to go back. And it, there's so much, there's so much music happening. There's so much that is is occurring that's not giving you any kind of handhold or frame of reference or something that you can figure out and yet there's something in it that that brings you back to it repeatedly uh, very few of the people i've talked to loved trout mask replica the first time they heard it uh, those that did were on some level aware of its reputation it, it didn't they weren't coming to it cold those who did come to it cold um generally were confused or repulsed or just kind of taken aback by it. Um, 
as has been said on the show a few times, not much prepares you for what this is going to sound like. And I imagine that was especially true in 1969. Um, But for those who were experiencing cold, there was, in addition to that initial uh, confusion, there's some degree of interest, a sense that there is something in there that needs revisiting. Or even if that simply comes from the perspective of, I paid a lot of money for this double album, I'll be damned if I'm not going to not listen to it. Um, And then um, maybe on the second listen or the third time around, or the 20th time around, or when you put it aside and you listen to it again 10 years later, um, at at some point there is an element of epiphany. Uh, And it can take different forms. Um, One of the common ones is the, seems to be the realization that, that it is, um, everything is very intentional, that it is not simply chaos being produced for the sake of chaos, that it is, um, a, a meticulously ordered and controlled animal that seems chaotic. Um, uh, for some, it's spotting something they can recognize within the maelstrom. Uh, but that the the experience of it suddenly, quote-unquote, making sense in that way is common amongst, amongst uh, Beefheart fans, amongst those who, who did return. Um, it's kind of like uh, sort of a more benign version of like the vision that drives you mad in an H.P. Lovecraft story. Like you don't, you're suddenly exposed to something and there's no frame of reference for it, but, and your, you know, your, your options are to, to, you know, it, the, op, the only option is generally to lose your mind, which uh, some, some who listen to Beefheart probably think that Beefheart fans have lost their mind, but it's a, a, very benign and rewarding kind of madness. Uh, you know, you're, you're confronted with the monster and you don't know what the hell it is, but you know that it is, it, it is, it is a thing. It's a creature. And, um, and plenty of listeners give up before that point. Um, but those of us who are the, the Beefheart fans are drawn back. Um, the music moves like absolutely nothing else. Uh, even now, even 50 plus years after this album was made, it it touches parts of the brain that no other music in the rock canon uh, or that could be considered part of the rock genre can, can do. Uh, it defies description, as those who have listened to me stammer over how to sum up aspects of this album for, for 30 plus episodes now would, would agree. Um, you... you go through the layers of the music and underneath those layers, there are additional layers that you have never heard before. Um, or that, and then beneath those, there's something else that you haven't heard before. It, it it can, I, I can't imagine hitting a point with this record where I'm not continually experiencing something that I, that even on, you know, it could be the 200th listen, but something might catch me that I've never noticed in a particular piece because there there is so so much and it if you spend enough time with it it really does change how you hear music. Um, in the words of of Tom Waits, who is who is certainly a disciple of the Captain, uh, once you've heard Beefheart, it's hard to wash him out of your clothes. It stains like coffee or blood. 
Um, and I think maybe that, that experience, that change, um, is part and parcel of that desire to, to understand because there is, and I say this without any intention of discounting the enormous amount of effort that went into actually producing this music, the, to, into the, the insane hours of rehearsal that the band put in under, under dismal conditions to, to put together this, this, um, un, unclassifiable opus. Uh, I in no way mean to, to discount their work and the actual nuts and bolts labor that went into producing this, but there is an element of this album that feels genuinely miraculous. And some of that is down to the improbability of it, which is something that, that Samuel Andreev mentioned in the, the Fallen Ditch episode, that the amount of stars that had to align for this record to be produced uh, is, is uh, a, a pretty unlikely uh, set of circumstances. Um, but it, there, there is an element of each, each part individually on the record you can, it, it can be comprehended. Like you can sit down and learn one of the guitar parts. Um, it's challenging, but, but it can be done as, um, Ken Shimamoto has been, uh, working through the guitar parts on this album, doing a fantastic job. And, uh, the, you know, you can learn the bass part. You can, you can try to learn the drums, although that's, that's, um, it seems like an unfathomable, uh, attempt to me with my amateurish sense of rhythm. Um, but the point is, individually, each part of this is something that you can comprehend. It's something recognizable. But you put them together, um, and with the musicians and just straining to compress all of these these ideas, this torrent of ideas, into each tiny little track. That, you know, many of these don't even break the two-minute mark. Um, and then you've got Van Vliet's um, gift of a voice just kind of declaiming his inscrutable wordplay atop these compositions. And it's awe-inspiring. Like, the music genuinely inspires awe. And so those of us who are trying to understand, um, it's a bit like religious scholars who will, you know, come come to a miracle or come to a, a work of, uh, of, a religious text and spend their lives scribbling their interpretations of the mysteries into our chronicles and uh, arguing into the night over esoterica. Um, so some, some bands have fans. Um, Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band has zealots, and I would count myself among them, uh, which is probably fairly obvious to you at this point. Um, there has been a lot of ink spilled about Trout Mask Replica uh, over the years. It's it is a much written about, much discussed record. As as Don Van Vliet slash Captain Beefheart is a much written about, much discussed man. Um, and I think as long as rock music is meriting any kind of serious discussion in the popular sphere, as long as it's something that people are talking about, I, I think there will be more writing and more. Uh, discussions uh, of this record i it it richly rewards that kind of attention which is not something one can say about a great number of of rock and roll records um 
And so this this podcast, um, it was my own tiny little contribution to that that body of work, um, and uh, my guests' uh, contributions to that to that that work collection of of voices. Um, all of us, in some way or another, changed uh, by the experience of this music and by the experience of of this album. Um, Don Van Vliet, John French, Bill Harkelrode, Jeff Cotton, Mark Boston, Victor Hayden, and Frank Zappa uh, gifted us with this unruly, unfathomable album, double album. Um, and this uh, this podcast has been my uh, and my guests' small attempt um, at offering a tribute of saying thank you, uh, thank you that, and that we're listening, we have been listening, and that 50 plus years after the release of Trout Mask Replica, we are still listening. And thank you for listening.